You're listening to the Author Stories Podcast. Bringing you the story behind the stories and the storytellers. Margaret Wyatt, Terry Brooks, Sheena Kamal, Matthew Quick, JT Ellison, Walt D. Williams, Brad Ford, Corey, Dr. O, Brandon Robin Mock, Ernest Klein, Jim Butcher, Sherwin Harris. Visit HankGarner.com for archives of all the shows. Today's guest is... Well, thanks for joining me again for the Author Stories Podcast, where I bring you the story behind the stories and the storytellers. Today, I'm really excited to have Eliza Jane Brazier on the show with me today. She has an amazing new book. It's called If I Disappear, and it's out available everywhere now. And this is a really unique book uh, that I love the premise of, and I'm excited to talk about it today. Welcome to the show, Eliza. Thank you so much for having me, Hank. Eliza, we begin each show with the same question, and that question is, what is your first memory of wanting to be a writer or storyteller? Um, you know, I used to like, obviously I started as a reader, I think as like most of us do. So I like would read, you know, like voraciously, like one book after the other. Um, so I think that I, you know, I started first of all, just telling stories to like entertain myself, but I think that like probably my, like my first like experience of like, let's say trying to get published happened when I was about 12 years old, probably I say roughly, um, I wrote this story down and it was like this really dark like crazy story, like basically about some guy who was like, you know, cast out from society and like bullied like to death, like super dark. Um, but I thought like this was great. You know, I'd made casting decisions like I was ready for this to like take off. And, you know, that would be my career. So I, I went onto the Internet and I like found an address in Hollywood. And this was like in the early days of the Internet. Right. So I just went with any address I could find, like figuring that Hollywood is just like one place. Right. You know, where they're like waiting for my story. And oh, I, it's and like I, Oz. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And I, so I, I, you know, I, I mailed it to this address. Um, and I guess the people were kind enough that like a month later, I actually did get it back. But yeah, that was like my first like foray. And of course, like after that, I was just like so disheartened that I like quit for like 20 years. <laughs> did you get it back all marked up? No, man, I, didn't, I don't, I don't, you know, honestly, I don't remember that. Well, I, I know I got it back. I don't think there was a comment, which maybe isn't surprising considering the content. And I did include like some pretty like violent illustrations. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that just, yeah. Like, so like, oh my gosh. And like, I remember whenever I mailed it, like I said to like my best friend, I was like, oh, my life's going to change. Like, I can't tell you how, but it's my life's about to change. Just so you know, like, be ready. You know? Cool. Well, at least you didn't get the manuscript back along with a visit from a social worker. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> My parents got out of that unscathed. Luckily. That was the oh, inner okay. life. I don't even know where those, I mean, I probably had read, you know, I'd read like Stephen King when I was like that age. So it's probably like from that, that I was like, cause there's stuff that I had no experience of or relation to, you know, except I guess through, you know, novels. <laughs> that's so funny. So I assume uh, that you were a bookish kid that, that you read all the time. Yeah, for sure. Like we would go to the library when I was younger, like probably a couple of times a week. And I would just get, you know, like I'm like the kind of person and I still like to this day, like if I go to Barnes and Nobles, like I'm going to come out with however many books like I can carry. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Like when you get to that, you just start grab, grab, grab. And then you have so many that it's like, it's you know, it's starting to like lean to one side or the other. You're like, okay, better get, I got to get out of here quick before I like, I have a cart, you know? 
That's so funny. That's so funny. Um, you you mentioned uh, Stephen King was a, a a big influence on you uh, when you were younger. What what were some of the other authors or books or series that uh, kind of shaped your 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 love of story or that maybe shaped the the types of stories that you connect with? I mean, I think that there was like the, the books that I read, like when I was younger, you know, the thing is like when I was younger, there weren't the, the same sort of books available as there are now. Like, for example, there weren't as many uh, books um, by like female authors where there was like a female protagonist. So for like that, I would say like when I was really young, you know, I was reading like Stephen King. I would read um, like books about like horses and dogs. Uh, like, you know, I'd read like Jack London and right. like. The Saddle Club and like, you know, Gossip Girl. But I think that like what really um, got me, like influenced me the most as a writer would be stuff that I have read like more recently, because that's when it like the field started to open up a lot more to where like a woman could write about things that interested me. You know what I mean? So like, for example, I think like Gillian Flynn was somebody who really like opened up like the field as in like, okay, this is popular you know, a woman can write about these kind of like scary topics, can write about these like unreliable or like unlikable people. Um, yeah. So that's probably like what mostly influenced me as a writer, but it wasn't really available when I was younger. Like there was obviously like there's the odd book that you would kind of read that you would be, would be written by a woman and about a woman and it would have a character that was kind of messy. But a lot of times, even like the really great female authors like Patricia Highsmith or Donna Tart, you know, they're, they were featuring male protagonists. So it's kind of interesting how that changed and very awesome. <laughs> like, I'm glad for that. <laughs> um, so Eliza, um, you had this, this moment of, uh, of possibility when you were young, you wrote this manuscript, you sent it off, you got it back and were, were sort of um, I, I don't want to use the word devastated, but you, <laughs> you put that dream on hold for a few years. Yeah, what say. was what was it that brought it back around to you? You know, um, and I, I, I wonder if you'll be able to relate to, the, to this as well. But I do think that, you know, um, in, you know, uh, let's say 10, 20 years ago, it really wasn't as accessible of a dream. Like, sure. I didn't know how to get published. I didn't know. Like, uh, I think a lot of people uh, don't, you know, who do you send it to? Like, how does it happen? Like, do I send it, you know, what do I have to write um, to get there? Or who do I approach with it? How do I approach them? Like, what's the way to do it? That's, that information, like, wasn't really, like, available. I mean, like, in the old days, it was like you mail a query, you know? So I think that it, in, in that way, it was a really closed um, industry. And then yeah. because of really, I think, like, the rise of, like, Twitter, where that became, like, a really an author spot, and then blogs. Um, which would be like kind of linked through there, like writing blogs, it became like there was a path, like there was a clear defined path. It was like, you need to write a query. It needs to like kind of look like this um, and you need to send it, you know, to yeah. sort of like people that represent your work and all this kind of stuff. So because of that, that's really what changed for me because I think before that it was such an inaccessible thing. Like, I mean, look what I did when I was 12. Like I literally sent a book to a random address because I had no idea how how to do it. And then I, right. I saw, you know, people around me do it. And I realized like, okay, if I research and I learn everything about this industry and about how to sell a book, then actually this might be really possible, you know? Right. So, yeah. Exactly. So what, this is your first novel, is it? Is it not? 
Well, it's my first adult novel. I actually was published in young adult, like probably six or seven years ago. Okay. Yeah. What was what was that first book that was published? Well, so I that was under my um, so my under my late husband's name. So it was Eliza Wass, and it was like this book called The Crushwell Plot. Um, but like right after I published it, my husband or not after I published it, I say after I got the offer for the book, my husband died. So that I'm was sorry. like a really like sort of traumatic, obviously time, like in my life, like, so I kind of, obviously, like I still, obviously the book went out, still like promoted and, and everything, but it was just like a super dark time. And I, and I really like had a trouble reconnecting to writing after that happened. Cause like, I'm sure like you probably feel this way too, but like when you're writing, like you tap into like your, you know, you're like psyche and like your emotions and you're having, you know, to do all this kind of stuff. It can be very like therapeutic. But when you've just been through like some like big trauma, it, I really wasn't enjoying it. Like I found it really yes. like painful. Um, so I definitely like took a step back, like kind of thought like I, you know, I parted ways with my age and I kind of thought like I'm not really going to do this anymore. I'm going to do something else because this isn't making me happy. Um, and then I kind of came back to it because I'm, you know, at the end of the day, I am like a storyteller. I am who I am. Like right. I'm addicted to it. I love it. So once I had had time i think to like put some distance between that you know that i was able to get back into it and eventually get to the point where i enjoyed it again <laughs> you know right so do you is there a delineation is do, do you see the the previous ya work that you did uh as different from your new book if i disappear and you know the, going through the the personal trauma that you did 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 you feel like this book or this type of book was a necessity for you? Like, did you feel like you had changed as a storyteller? Um, you know, honestly, I think I more found where I fit in better. When I wrote gotcha. uh, my young adult novel is like really, uh, it's very mature for a young adult novel. Like it like features like incest, like murder, you know, all this kind of stuff. Like, I don't know. It's a lighthearted weekend. Yeah, like it was a pretty like dark kind of book. And I always kind of felt a little bit weird even like, in a way promoting it because they're kind of like oh gee your kid might enjoy this you know what I mean <laughs> um so I feel like I more found like a, a a better place that I fit in and also I found some really amazing people that like I enjoy working with um and so that has been like a big change so it feels very different I mean again like just because literally like I got my contract and my husband died like right after I think it kind of tainted that whole experience because you can't help but conflate the two in your mind and you almost sure. feel like it's some kind of like karmic retribution like the thing is when someone dies like you, your brain goes crazy so i i think that i felt like almost bad that i had a book deal you know what i mean i, I do i do and uh <laughs> you one of those things where you have to like completely shift gears to to get out of that that mindset of you know, um, I, I've got to, I, I still want to do this thing, but I've got to do it differently. Yeah. I had to like change the name. I had to, I mean, time is like a huge thing. And I just kind of just tried to like se separate it in my head so that I wouldn't continue to feel that it was, that yeah. I was doing something wrong by writing in a way. It's just so bizarre, but it, it does happen. Man. Well, writing under uh, a different name or at least a different last name uh, and in a new genre, a, a new reading audience. Did this feel like publishing again for the first time? Yeah, kind of. I mean, I will say as well, like you got to like, I guess uh, this book, you know, my first book, I kind of, you know, uh, got my deal and then my husband died. Then this one, I got my deal and then we got a pandemic. So, 
but like, we're going to beat you like, to stop writing for a while. <laughs> but this time I was like more ready for it. So I like knew, you know, the, honestly, like the hard thing is too, like when you, I mean, you know, when you first get published, you put like a lot of pressure on yourself to do well. And my book did not do like, it didn't like meet expectations, you know? And, and so I felt like it really, like it really hit me kind of hard, you know, like it really like sort of hurt, especially after I'd already been through so much. I was like, dude, come on, like, give me, I need something here. Uh, <laughs> you know, it was just like another, like, so this time because of that, like, I am so like Zen about it. Like, I'm just like, I just enjoy like it's so much more. And I'm like, just have fun with it. Like, don't put all this pressure that it has to do well, enjoy it, you know, enjoy it while you, while you have it, enjoy the people around you is the big thing like get a good support system, collaborators. And yeah, like, don't be like, oh, I have to kind of like win or, or nothing, you know? Right. So the, the plot of If I Disappear revolves around uh, a true crime podcast and, and a, a woman who is a fan of this particular true crime podcast and, and the, the, the genre as, as, as a whole. Um, when did you discover true crime podcast and, and what, what is it? Um, I, I love them. Uh, uh, and, but what was it about them or, you know, this whole kind of new trend, um, that, that got your attention? Okay. So for me, like, again, I feel like we're going back to, I don't want to like, uh, belabor a point, but for me, I kind of came about it in a different way because, because it, it did kind of correspond again with like when my husband died, his death was actually like an unlawful killing. And it was like a super traumatic kind of experience and to have to go through like the coroner courts and all this kind of stuff. And I sort of found myself really drawn to like first Dateline episodes. Um, yeah. And I think it's because like there is really no place when you go through like trauma or, uh, you know, kind of like anything sort of dark. There's really no space to like talk about it because people don't really want to hear about it. It's depressing. Um, so I really like first started kind of, I think just listening and watching Dateline episodes because it made me feel like less alone. Like I wasn't the only one going through that kind of stuff. And, and Dateline episodes have like kind of a resolution, you know, where usually something is kind of solved. And then from there I discovered uh, true crime podcast. And that was like, took it to another level because, you know, I think in the last like five to 10 years, there have been these women who have kind of created this like amazing community and space around them. And like, that would be like, especially uh, my favorite murder, like Karen and Georgia, like they're so funny. They're so smart. They talk about mental health. They are very open and honest about like themselves. And they create this really safe space and community where like, you know, we can all kind of like come together and, and sort of like talk about what scares us a little bit and kind of feel like we're maybe getting, um, getting like control over the, over it. Um, and then I, like from there, I, I went to like live events and I actually met people in the community and I was so surprised, um, in a way by how open and friendly everyone was, like how joyful the atmosphere was. And that's like a big part of it. And I think that really comes down to those specific hosts who created that environment, you know, but yeah, that was definitely like the draw for me. And like, why, I guess in a way, like I wanted to, to write this book is just because it's been like such a, it has been like such a huge thing for me. Um, in such a like weird way, um, with just making me feel like better about, yeah, my, like my life and myself and all that kind of stuff, (laughs) you know, we've done more than a thousand episodes of this show and a great number of those authors that have been on, uh, have been crime writers or thriller writers or, um, uh, you know, someone that, that depicts heinous acts uh, on the page. 
And one thing that just always just just tickles me is uh, um, is the fact that these are some of the nicest, most <laughs> genuine people that you'll ever meet in your life. But they can write some of the most horrific stuff on the page. And, and I've often wondered, like, you know, why is this the case? And as someone who's actually been through trauma and, and then wrote a story like this, uh, I think I'm making more of that connection now. Like it is it, it really is something about the camaraderie, about knowing someone else has been there and yeah. and that you're not alone. Yeah. And I think that part of it, too, is uh, writers are very empathetic. So like yeah. whereas some people can hear about um, horrible things or happening in the world and kind of maybe just look the other way. We uh, really like connect, you know, to like the emotional element and we and we don't ignore stuff like we actually try to write about obviously stuff that's happening, stuff that's important. And and this is like the, you know, obviously like death is like the biggest thing that happens to us all. And everyone kind of wants to pretend like it doesn't happen. And I think that authors are honest and empathetic people. So. So, yeah, I think it is interesting because it is like the I would say, like when I would go to those events, they would be like the most kind, friendly people. And I think the reason that it, it they connect with it is because they are so empathetic. I mean, you look at people like Michelle McNamara, who's like, you know, obviously like a hero of like the true crime world and uh, the amount of her life that she was willing to sacrifice for other people. I mean, th there's a really uh, very heroic and amazing people in that community, you know. So, Eliza, when you started thinking about this book, um, I love to hear stories of the beginnings of things, how how a story takes life, how it you know goes from you, you're one moment thinking about nothing or, or, you know, just random daily things. And all of a sudden, either a character walks on the stage of your mind or maybe you read a news article or maybe you listen to a true crime podcast and start thinking, what if what was the, the genesis moment for this book? Well, so this one kind of came around gradually. And the very first thing that actually, I guess, was like the first piece was the setting. And that was because I had been living in England for like 10 years. After my husband died, I came to, back to America and I took a job working at a dude ranch in uh, rural Northern California. And I'm, and I, I go to this place. And I'm kind of Yeah, I go to this <laughs> place kind of thinking, I'm gonna, you know, I just thought I was going to be like this. I used to ride horses. I was like, I'm going to have this like magical summer, like out in the woods, you know, like just like working with horses, like it'll be really therapeutic. I get to this place and like it, pretty immediately I was like, oh, this is not like what I thought it was going to be. Like it looked a lot different. The people I met were not what I expected. And it became like this situation. I got there in the preseason. So really nobody was around. The ranch hadn't opened yet. And and there were people kind of out in that area who had been there for a long time and who kind of lived out there for a reason, you know, because they didn't really necessarily like other people, maybe. <laughs> and it was just like this crazy, like psychological experiment, because like people would like tell scary stories. People would be kind of, I don't know, controlling. Uh, it was just really wild. Um, so I only lasted there for like six weeks before it literally got dangerous. And I was like, I need to actually get out of here. This is crazy. Um, so I left, but I was like, dude, that's a good setting for a story. So it kind of started from there. And then it was like, at first it was like a way different, like story that I was looking at. Like, I was like looking at doing a story about like, you know, um, like a liberal who went into like the stupid Republican town and just like, got, yeah, I don't know, like this sort of horror of that. <laughs> and then I, 
I kind of discovered the true crime element. And so I put that in and then, um, I like, I think that what really unlocked it for me was like, you know, Carolyn Kepnes's book, you, where she uses yeah. the second person. And like, I read that and that was like, made me realize, oh, I can make this work if I do it like that. Because the problem, I guess, for like my story is that you have a character, Sarah, who connects to this person, Rachel, but we never really see Rachel. So it was like, how can I actually get her on the page? And once I read that book and kind of realized that like I could do, uh, you know, use that second person, I was like, oh, now it just works. And so then I was able to write it, you know, from there. Dream Author by Sophie Hanna is an immersive 14-month coaching program for writers at any and every level of experience, and also for those of you who want to write and are just waiting for the right encouragement and guidance to get you started. Your writing dreams should make you happy. For so many of us, our dreams are not a source of happiness. Instead, they cause us stress, guilt, frustration, and even shame. Here's the great news. All of these feelings are natural and all writers experience them. The problem, though, is that when your writing dreams bring you more anxiety than joy, it affects your resolve and your productivity, and you end up not taking the action you need to take in order to propel your dreams in the right direction so that they can stand a strong chance of coming true. That's why Sophie created the Dream Author Coaching Program to teach anyone who is passionate about writing how to change the way they build, think about, and pursue their writing dreams in order to become their own most powerful ally and advocate for the rest of their writing life. And more great news. Once you've learned that skill, it lasts forever. Visit dreamauthorcoaching.com to get started today. So second person is a difficult thing to pull off. Um, it, it's it's not a, uh, it, it's not the way a lot of people think, um, or, or, you know, when, when they start typing. Um, what were some of the challenges of, of, of using that as kind of a springboard? Um, you know, honestly, I think I have like for this book, I think that it just like fit so well with what I needed to do that I wouldn't say it was, it was like, it didn't feel difficult. You know what I mean? Like it felt like this is how it should be. It was hard. The book was hard to write when I was trying to write it in the first person. And I think that once I kind of got that, I guess that, that, uh, tense, but not only that, but I think there's a, a level of like the obsession that she kind of, uh, sorry, that the, uh, main character has in you as well. Um, it really like just kind of, I felt like it really flowed from there. And I think that it helped that I didn't really think about it as, oh, I'm writing in second person. Like, I think that sometimes you can psych yourself out when you're like, oh, I'm writing in present tense. Oh, I'm writing in, you know, third, I don't know. Or if you're trying to force it into a, a tense that maybe doesn't work. Right. But I think that because it kind of suited the story, that was actually probably one of like the easier parts, you know, like the mystery part and all that kind of stuff is kind of tricky. But <laughs> that's fun. So tell me about the character of Sarah. Where where did she come from? Um, I would say like I have like anxiety. So part of part of her character, I think, is like just um, like processing my like own like anxiety in a way, because like when you have like anxiety attacks, like you kind of don't know like what's real and what's not, or you don't know if like you're, you, you feel like you have a, a sense that something's going to happen or something bad has happened. Um, but like, you don't, you don't know if you can trust yourself. Right. So I definitely like used that aspect of like my personality, you know, and just tried to really magnify it. And then I also think that I tried to like put in here, like her, like all the stuff that I would say that I'm like afraid of being like as a woman, like, I think that like, you know, I'm scared of people thinking I'm 
weird or crazy. I'm scared of being vulnerable. So I kind of put all those things like into that character, um, you know, just as a way to like, kind of look at it and address it. Actually, it was like really therapeutic too. I think it kind of like helped me to like get some stuff out of my head that was kind of like maybe silly. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so the, what was, what was the most fun part about this book to write? Um, I probably like really liked writing. Um, the podcast episodes were fun. Cause I like took from like real, I guess, real notorious, uh, true crimes. Um, so that was just like fun. Cause you could just kind of like think of like the wildest sort of story or like some kind of just a creepy image. You didn't have to really like spend all this time kind of like developing it and make sure it made sense. You could just kind of like throw it in there, like and play with it. You know what I mean? Right. Well, that's kind of the, uh, one of the fun things about writing crime is, uh, it doesn't necessarily have to follow rules. Um, yeah. we, we read crazy stories every day of, of real life things that happen. Mm -hmm. the, the possibilities are, are limitless really. Yeah. I mean, the truth is always stranger than fiction too. So Right. Exactly. <laughs> um, the, the, the book, uh, really deals with obsession, uh, in an, in an interesting way. Um, when you started writing the book and, and really got into the story and Sarah's obsession with, with the, the podcast and then, you know, um, finding out what's happened, I'm trying not to give away too much of the story <laughs> as I kind of shaped this question. Yeah. Um, but, um, did you find yourself, uh, immersing into the story? Like a lot of times we'll, we'll listen to a, a true crime podcast or watch a documentary series and you know, by three or four episodes in, we're like all in, you know, um, was it like that when writing her, uh, did, did you start kind of connecting with Sarah as you wrote her? I mean, yeah, like, I think I'm a very obsessive person in a way, like, especially like when it comes to like writing, like uh, if I'm working on, if I'm drafting something, like I have to like work on it every day. And like, I try to like hit certain things and I, and I do definitely get like immersed in that world where like the most the coolest times is when you feel really tapped into it and the story is just like flowing through you. You know what I mean? So I definitely tried to like get really immersed, uh, into the world and just allow myself to do that, which can sometimes when you're writing thrillers can sometimes like not always be like a happy face. <laughs> like, for this one, like I, I mean, it was, yeah, like it was like a lot, like, I mean, I guess in a way it was like a long time ago that I wrote it, it was probably like two years ago. So I, I don't remember it too well, but I definitely remember, um, like crying a lot. <laughs> <laughs> like and just being like this is really hard you know but like also because it's like emotional i don't know um but yeah like i definitely definitely like was able to tap into that because i i i'm someone who like it, you know i think a lot of writers have to be you you like fixate on stuff like you can get lost in a book for a whole day you know that takes like a certain amount of like an, a, i think an obsessive quality or to to bowl through like a whole book i mean to finish a book, you have to have some level of that. So I think, yeah, it was just kind of like a, an aspect of myself, you know, in a way. Right. So one of the one of the biggest arguments or divides in the writer community is uh, this idea that people are either pantsers or plotters. You either write by the seat of your pants or you you know what the story is before you start writing it. And you, you know, kind of filling in the details as you go. Um, do you consider yourself in one of those camps? Yeah. I mean, so I feel like I like oscillate because like, I want to be like a plotter, but I, honestly, like what happens whenever I plot something is it kind of seems like it sort of like robs the emotion from the story. Like I'm just kind of doing like paint by numbers. Um, and there's no sort of spontaneity. 
So, you know, I try to kind of run like an amalgam, like I try to have an idea, but I think that for me, especially writing thrillers, you want to be able to surprise the reader. And if I, I have to feel surprised too, like I'm a very, I guess, like a, in a way, a very like genuine person. And I have, I have trouble. Like if I know the ending of something, I might not be able to hide that. (laughs) (laughs) So like with this book, for example, like I actually rewrote the, the second half of the book, like three times with different villains at the end. And then when I landed on the one that is in the book, I was like, oh, that actually finally that works. Um, but I think if I had known it from the beginning, it probably would have been really obvious to everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I love that idea of of not knowing it because you <laughs> you want it to be just as much a surprise to you as the reader because yeah. you know you'll give it away. Well, and then I want to be honest to them too. Like I don't like to trick people. Like I'm like, I want to tell I'll tell you guys, like this is <laughs> just heads up get ready okay right so when you when you started on this book um you know that we we know that you brought a pandemic on um and so what what are you planning for your follow-up i mean oh man so my follow-up yeah my follow-up here we go well so i have a two-book deal (laughs) my follow-up is a lot different because i feel like right now like for me i wanted something that was like a thriller but a little bit lighter so it's almost like a comedic thriller um, and the title of it, like, I won't, I guess, go into what it is, but the title of it is, um, good rich people. And my tagline is, uh, my personal tagline is there aren't any. <laughs> 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 so like, it's like a more like crazy, but it's also like talking about stuff that I feel is very important. Um, so yeah. So the, if I disappear uh, is technically your sophomore book, even though it's your first adult book. Um, starting on your third book now, um, does is the process easier? Do do you feel like that you've you've crossed a hurdle, um, so oh, to speak? And, oh no, no, it's terrible! No. <laughs> <laughs> this year, like writing a book. Oh my gosh, it was bad. Like this one had way more tears. Um, so like I spent the entire year trying to write to an outline. This is like kind of what we talked about with outlines. And it was not working. And it was like, I was just like, so stressed. I was like crying all the time. Like this sucks. It's terrible. And then finally it was getting towards the end. And I was like, dude, I have to re I have to redo this whole thing. Like I need to fix this. Like I need to start over and stop trying to like, cause sometimes when you're revising, you try to keep stuff that you like. And I was like, no, I can't do that anymore. I need to start from page one. Um, so I, you know, reached out to my editor and was like, look, I, I don't feel happy with, I guess what I'm doing. So I want to change it to this. Like I sent her the pitch, kind of like scrawled together like a sort of outline. And she was like, yeah, that sounds awesome. And then I spent like five weeks rewriting the entire book um, and like got super lucky in that it made, I think it made sense. And she really liked it. I've sent it already out to like one, an author for a blurb and she loved it. So, so it worked out in the end, but I will say that it was not easy. Oh, I have another one, I think coming through now. Sorry. Oh, okay. Um, so Eliza, um, the... Uh, the book, we're going to put links to it in the show notes of this episode. Um, tell people where they can find you online if they want to connect with all that you do. Yeah, I'm on all the major ones. So Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. And yeah, feel free to you know follow me on Twitter. I'll give you a follow back and reach out anytime. Great. Thank you we'll so put, much for having me. Thank you, Eliza. Have a great day.